Hey guys, this is And The Writer Is with Ross Golan. I've written with hundreds of writers and artists over the years, and my favorite part of each session is the first hour when we catch up about life and the industry, politics, composition, whatever. If you ask me, songwriters are some of the most worldly and intelligent people I've ever come across. So this is a journey of learning why people write songs, how people write songs, and most importantly, who the people are who write the songs. I'm co-producing this with my friend Joe London, who's nominated for a Grammy this year. He records every interview and makes sure we sound like angels. So if you like what you hear, please rate us on iTunes or whatever your preferred podcast listening site is. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. In this episode, we meet with Jacob Kasher, a.k.a. Cash. I'm not sure we'll ever have an interview with someone more prolific. He's a hit writer and a producer in the true sense. He compiles teams of music makers and outcomes chart-topping songs. Right now, he has Maroon 5's Don't Wanna Know, which just went number one, BB Rex's I Got You, which was the most added song at radio, and Zara Larson's So Good, which was announced this week. Pretty impressive for a white Virginia rapper who used to mow lawns. Let me set the scene for you. We recorded this at the Great Conway Studio, which is the holy grail of recording locations. It's secluded and private, and yet some of the world's biggest rock stars are there, sharing the same kitchen as you. Some characters in this story we refer to by their first name. They are Kevin Rudolph, the artist who did Let It Rock. He signed Jay to his first co-publishing deal. Dr. Luke, one of the greatest producers in the past 15 years, who still co-publishes Jay. Gabe Saporta, who is the frontman of Cobra Starship, the band that recorded Good Girls Go Bad. Mike Karen, head of A&R for Warner Records and founder of APG. Phil, an up-and-coming producer signed to Jay. Benny Blanco, who we interviewed last week. Max Martin, greatest writer of our generation. Ammo, an A-list producer with whom Jay wrote Sugar. And Johan Carlson, best instrumentalist producer in the game. Again, If you like what you hear, please rate us on iTunes or whatever your preferred podcast listening site is. Check us out on Spotify. We have a playlist for this episode so you can hear some of this writer's biggest hits. Without further ado, here is And The Writer Is. Welcome to And The Writer Is. I am your host, Ross Golan. Today's guest, in his words, doesn't play an instrument or sing well. He's kind of tone deaf. He doesn't own a MacBook Pro. He's uneducated and can't spell for shit. He believes that if you have to look at your phone or a piece of paper to remember the lyrics, they probably suck. And yet, this man has written multiple number one songs in multiple formats. But let me tell you in my words that I've never worked with another writer who can take any concept, no matter the level of sophistication, and put it into words we all understand. He didn't go to college, but he's smarter than most of us. And the writer is from Virginia Beach. He's a beast and one of my closest collaborators, my friend Jacob Casher, a.k.a. Jay Cash. Hey. Since we did this last time, you did uh, five or six songs on the Megan Trainer album, including No, which I saw on a bunch of like end of the year list as like best you know one of those like best top hundred songs like it it's been listed all over the place so that was big you had the one d single perfect you had the charlie puth selena single which in a weird sort of way is like a low-key like my favorite song from last year i told you. you that though like that's like one of those songs where i wish i wrote it yeah you know I, yeah i i really love that song yeah maroon five you kind of get to reshape the new phase for them and you're executive producing it. This is true. Which is in itself an accomplishment, let alone like the actual seeing the success of the songs. And it's cool to see like, you know, 
we're at Conway Studio right now, and the fact that um, we used to come to this studio, both of us, working with different people, but it wasn't like um, you call the call box now and you're like, uh, I'm here to see Jcash. You right. know, like that's <laughs> yeah. sick. You know, like it's moved from it's moved from being like, oh yeah, we're young writers uh, to yeah. I mean, running the show is pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, this studio is so significant for me in my career because when I first moved out here, this was one of the first studios I worked in, and it's my favorite studio on earth. And you walk in here, and the magnitude of people. There's only three rooms, and it's always yeah. just filled with the biggest, best people. And you know, for years, I was just so lucky to just be here on other people's merit. And now that like I get to, you know, lock down one or two, or sometimes even three of these rooms, and have some of the biggest clients in the music business, and all the best songwriters and producers, kind of, you know, rally here and get to, in some ways, be like a coordinator and an overseer and a collaborator. Does that add pressure for you? No, um, it actually makes me feel better um, because I used to feel pressure because I used to be like, oh, my God, like how much does the studio cost a day? Like if I don't write something great, you know, like I remember back in the day, uh, somebody from a label put me here for a week to do something for their artist. And there was like an unlimited food budget. And me and one of my uh, producer friends just got fucked up here for a whole week. <laughs> yeah, just, right. We just ordered Nobu every day. And like we yeah. ordered like Jordans and hoodies on the food budget and. We didn't get anything done, you know, it was like a total wash and, you know, uh, and I got a lot of, you know, I caught a lot of flack for that. And then I, and then that was like, that was when I was, how early on was that? It was really early on. I mean, it was in the beginning and, um, when was the beginning? Oh, I mean, this had to be 2009 or 10, you know, you've lived out here that long. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe 11. I'm I'm not great with timelines. I've been sober for three and a half years. So anything before that is just a fucking, a cloud, um, but yeah. So I'm I'm gonna be terrible with timelines. So don't ever quote how, me. How how much did, does sobriety change like your writing process? It it changed everything. I mean, you know, I I had a lot of hits when I was fucked up or a moderate amount, and now uh, my I feel like my writing style, uh, my ability to see things through, the amount of ideas I have. Like I could never believe how how much better I am now. My my career is just and my life has exponentially risen and is still rising. And I, and I, I know it plays a big part of it. Cause I mean, I miss weed every day. It was the first, it was the first thing I ever loved besides wow. my parents. You know, like I loved weed since I was a little kid obsessing in love with it. You know, do you still think about it? Totally. Yeah. Sort of like an ex-girlfriend kind of. Yeah. I, I just don't think there's like a cure for sobriety. I think it's just like, or sorry, a cure for being a, an addict, and and right. I didn't quit. I didn't get sober because I was addicted to weed. I got sober because I was addicted to weed and pills, and I was addicted to anything that got me fucked up. You know, minus putting a needle in my arm or you know smoking rocks. <laughs> right. You know. Um, but yeah. And, and did the music industry like? Did do you think that that added to? Yeah, I think it, I, yeah, I think it, I think it did because you know I'm I come from like a really great family who always worked hard and I always had everything I needed. Like I'm not you know claiming that I you know yeah. that I grew up like super poor or anything, but I, I definitely didn't grow up rich. Um, Your I, dad owned a well, he owns like a mom and pops radio station right. now that does good. My dad was always in the in the music business. He managed like the big urban station where I'm from. That's how I got like into music. And you know, my mom was a teacher and and they did fine, but you know, I you wake up one day with a with an enormous check for hundreds of thousands of dollars and you've probably never had more than like 1200 bucks to your name at once. I mean, you know, you get a little rowdy, you know. Is that was that from like the where did when what's your first big check from? It was from uh, Good Girls Go Bad by Cobra Starship. Oh, so it wasn't like this is is that is that after the um, like Let It Rock and all the Kevin Rudolph? Yeah, but I don't. That's how you got it. Well, I had a bunch of you know. It's funny if if I think I guess we should give like some background because obviously I know totally know you well. But you grew up in Virginia Beach. I know you kind of like yeah. You you know fast forward through a lot of uh, childhood. You end up in in Miami. Miami, Yeah, and as a rat. As a rapper. A failed rapper at this point. 
you were already a, you already like marked yourself as failed by the time you moved to Miami. Yeah, or ter- did you ter- to- terrible failed white rapper. Where it? were you? When were you as successful? Like when in your head were you like, oh, I'm, was it like high school that you're like, I'm a fucking sick rapper? Oh yeah, yeah, totally. I was like, you couldn't tell me I wasn't Jay Z. Right. You know. Um, did did everyone else in high school think of you as Jay Z? Because yeah, you're ev- a good rapper. Everybody was on my dick. I was yeah. the man. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I th- I used to be like. Uh, I think I've always been good with words. I like listening back to my old rap stuff is brutal. Like I used to be really embarrassed about it. Now I just think it's funny. But you know, I the thing about rap for me was it was like an outlet. You know, the only musical outlet I really had. I I love rap music still to this day, and I did back then. But it was the only thing I could actually do with my voice. <laughs> you know, because I'm a, right. such a shitty singer. But I actually really liked rap. Were and, there um, melodies? Because you're, I think you're a really good melody writer. You just can't sing them well. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I you're a good melody. Them. You know, like were you when you were doing those raps in high school and stuff? Are you singing? Hooks? I mean, not no, not at the beginning. I mean, as I got a little bit older, like, um, or you know, a, a little bit further along, I, I was kind of like onto this, like, because you know, I really grew up like loving pop punk and rock and like '90s alternative music. Yeah. So it was so many things. But yeah, I was kind of doing this like emo kind of thing at one point too that wasn't registering to anyone because they just wanted to hear me do that like hard shit and the funny thing is is i i was like completely talking out of my ass when i was rapping i was you know i was talking about like selling drugs and like carrying guns and because the thing was it wasn't like i was i was trying to you know in hindsight which is always 2020 i wasn't trying to lie to make people think that i was something i wasn't i wanted to make the shit that i liked right but i just didn't sound like authentic i yeah and vocally like my voice didn't come out of speakers sounding like jada kiss or jay-z or like any of my favorite rappers like i just sounded like me yeah (laughs) you know which is pretty close to what i sound like right now except i used to like i used to kind of like twist my you know i used to yeah it was like it was like a mix between like a terrible fred durst and like a kind of a jay-z impression and like I don't know what the Would fuck do I again? was thinking. I, I can't do it again. That, that was <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite. Uh, one of my favorite things you did in the last like month was when uh, we were talking about Little Red Corvette. Yeah, and you just know all the lyrics to it. And I don't know how you remember lyrics because I can't remember any lyrics. Right. You know, good or bad. Like when you say like if you can't remember the lyrics, they're they're probably bad. Yeah. I can guarantee you that the only lyrics I know are my musical. Other than that, they're all bad. Like they must all be terrible because right. I just can't. I couldn't sing you like Dangerous Women lyrics for the life of me. Maybe right. the chorus. But anyway, um, if you were to do uh, Rid- Little Red Corvette. How would you do it, like, uh, in your style? Like, how would I sing it? Yeah. Man, I'm not about to play my... <laughs> I'm not about to play my... You know, there's some... I feel like there's some, like, secrets uh, to songwriting that you keep in the studio. Like, yo, That's you, you heard me sing my heart out. And so has... I've also heard you rap. I mean, like, yeah. the best the best song that... Uh, the best collaboration that I've done in the last uh, probably five years is when you and I did the demo of Double Vision. Which yeah, that later, was hilarious. Which later got cut, but... The version that we had that was the original demo, that was the best version of it. Yeah. And it had you as, like, the feature. And we were all like, man, how do we release this? Like, yeah. <laughs> this is fire with you doing the rap. as the ver- And no one ever beat that rap. Yeah. Nah. I don't even remember who featured on it. I, I, just- think, I think it was Tyga, actually. But he, uh, he didn't, like, do my rap. He did his own rap. I thought mine was better, but whatever. Right. Wait, so, okay, so you go to Miami, and at this point you're like, I give up on the rapping. Yeah, I mean, I had kind of given up on. Why the did rap you move thing. to Miami? I, you know, I didn't really plan on moving there. I was pro- I was probably just gonna join the military, like everyone else, where I'm from. It's like you know, you grow up in Virginia Beach. It's like you work at the shipyard, you join the military, you work at a bar, uh, or you do something worse, you know. But um, I actually had a friend that I grew up with whose parents started a pretty successful clothing business down there. And to make a long story short, um, I was down there hanging with him. He kind of cool. talked me into coming. I met a random dude in the mall who ended up being Kevin Rudolph, who kind of, like, had known my friend. And he didn't really have a lot going on. He had, like, you know, he had done session work for Timberland as a guitar player and a bunch of things. Ended up going back to his place uh, because he wanted to show me his studio. And we played each each other's music and... He didn't like mine, and I didn't really like his. And we kind of had a good laugh. And Did you guys both say that? 
Yeah, I mean, I think... Or were you both like, yeah, this is real. Yeah, I think it was that. I think it was like, oh, cool, man. And he was like, yeah, I, yeah, totally. You know, but it was like, it was clearly like, you know, I was doing like, you know, fake gangster rap and he was doing some some form of complaint rock or something that, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, but it was crazy because he's a really, he's like a really great singer and producer and I had never even been into a studio that A, didn't have, you know... Had he already had a hit or anything yet? I mean, he had had, like, a solo deal previously as, like, an artist named Binocular, you know, or something. He was signed to Maverick at one point. And, uh, and then that, uh, I don't know what happened with that, but then he was kind of just, like, producing for things and, um, and doing guitar. He had played, like, guitar on Say It Right for Nelly Furtado and okay. done a bunch it's of cool so stuff. It's just so unusual for, like, anybody in Miami to yeah. enter the pop world at all. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, I mean, Kevin's, like, a smart Jewish boy from New York, you know, yeah. as, as many Jews end up... Uh, in Miami from New York. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. We complimented each other in the place where each other lacked, where he was pretty much could do everything. Um, I think maybe just wasn't so interested in writing lyrics, you know, because he writes great lyrics too. And that was really, you know, he opened my mind up to pop music because he would be like, oh man, why don't you just write words to these melodies? And I was like, what? Like, and he would like sing like a na, 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 and I'm, like put words to that. And I'm like, what? Like I had no idea what he was talking about. Sure. I hadn't even never been in a, a studio where there was a guitar in it before. Right. I like it's like MPC, sock over the mic, speakers, four hundred people. Yeah. You know, that was like the studios that I am used to. Right. You know? That's uh, crazy. So when good girls know? go bad happens. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's what it what it means yeah totally you know like i mean we talked about how that's you know yeah. licensing wise yeah. that's probably the biggest album or biggest song you've had so uh, yeah. i mean not, well now you've had like five but that's one of them i mean yeah i mean that that song was really good to me and you know what's fucking funny man gabe the singer is my next door neighbor yeah. now and he's <laughs> such a good dude you know it's like that's the first like writing trip i took to la yeah. um I went in the studio with him. It was Mike Karen, who's now like yeah. one of one of the heads on the Mount Rushmore yeah. of the music business, and also a good friend. He he was an A and R just an A and R Atlantic at the time, like developing Bruno, like showing me Bruno before he blew up, and like doing all these things. and And he actually put me and Kevin in. Dude, he's why we met. Yeah, totally. I mean, like I I I'm pretty sure we've talked about that, but I was in a random room, and he was like, hey. Um, do you want to come in this other room? He was kind of like testing me out because he knew my band or whatever. And it was uh, an Asher Roth. You were in with yeah. Asher Roth. Yeah. And I didn't want to work with Asher Roth, man. I was so heated. Like, you know, just the bitter failed white rapper having to go in with another, oh, yeah. with like, you know, a yeah. white rapper who's having a big moment. Like, I still, I, to be completely honest, I still get bitter about it sometimes. Really? I mean, I swallow it quickly. I don't like harp on it anymore, but it's always like, it's like, imagine if you have a mosquito bite that just like itches once a year for yeah. two seconds. You don't think you could do, I mean, we joked, know? we joked about the idea of doing like, you know, go to your your producer friends and, and having them spend 10 minutes on a, on a yeah. beat. Have the best producers in the world make the worst beats ever and you, me just rap on them. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Uh, isn't is there some part nah. of you that would go and just I you know mean, what? just for fun? Even. Nah, it, you know what? I I think your dreams and your blessings come in disguise sometimes. You know, because even after the failed rapper thing and doing, you know, I went on tour with Kevin and as this hype man, you know, and I was like, I was kind of just jumping around on stage and throwing up and being ridiculous, and I had a lot of fun. Then I came back and I put like kind of a band together called the Fuck Ups, and we had to change the name to the Fush Ups. And Phil, who's a producer signed to me now, who's crushing, was the singer of the band. And I was the rapper, and I have songs with Three Six Mafia and Mac Main and all these weird, you know, all these fucking random people. And I was having Kevin produce it, and then I end up not doing a deal for that because I wanted to write songs. And then after I had a couple more hits, I went back, and you know, I was on a lot of drugs, and I was really high, and I I hyped myself back up to be an artist yeah. again. So I shot a couple videos for these kind of really yeah for these kind of songs and put them out. And then I saw them kind of like start to like look like people kind of cared and a couple labels called me and then i and then at that point that was probably like five six years ago you know and i shut it down and i've never looked back since and i and i don't want to be an artist anymore you know i wow. I, I like the I, so that was going on when we first met yeah 
I, I just kind of never really talked about it. Is that shit on it. YouTube? Yeah. It's terrible. Fantastic. Yeah. I have, like, horrible rap videos of me, like, taking bong hits and hawking loogies and just being, like, you know. I always feel like I was very ahead of the trends, though. Like, if you look back, like, even though I was clearly whack, there's people that do it way better than me. Like, I kind of feel like I was, like, on to something that, like, every time I would get onto something, like, it wasn't cool. And then later it would be cool. But the person who made it cool was, like, better looking, sounded better, had better songs. So I'm not, <laughs> I, I'm not saying, like, anybody jacked my shit. But I felt like I was just kind of, like, a little – I mean, saying I was ahead of my time is whack. But I was just never – on the current Well, cusp. I mean, obviously you were, though. I mean, you could probably argue that with uh, a good portion of the people who are working songwriters, that they were, when they were artists, they were a little bit ahead of their time. It's probably why it didn't work and why when they moved over to being able to write with artists that had a name, but they were like the vehicle for the same yeah. songs. Like, your songs were still probably dope, and now it's just easier to use, like, those that cadence with Maroon 5 totally. or something now like those- yeah i mean i mean my my memory log of the millions of rap songs of other people that i have memorized and listening to it my whole life is is how i'm calibrated to write songs i i i'm i've gotten i've developed a sense of melody did you and, ever read lyrics or is that all from hearing nah i just i like i literally like you got i, I want to explain and it's impossible to do what it's like to be in a studio with you yeah. and your ability to, like I said in the intro, but you can't explain it because there's really, aren't, I can't think of anybody else I can point to, but like the your ability to, to say really complex concepts so simply and then have a f- and have it have a flow to it. Right. It's so much harder than people think. Yeah, it's hard, but it you- takes me months of editing to get to what seemingly takes you like 15 minutes. Right. And I also see like somebody like you or someone else pick up a guitar, play like a really cool you know, lick chord progression with like a built-in melody over it that already sounds like a hit that I feel like is the most important. Like, I, I'm like, I can never do that my whole life. Yeah. You know, and then y'all think what I do is hard, but I think that's why it's good that we're both yeah, yeah, here. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah because, right, right. And that's the other thing too. Like, I can hear a melody over chords and the words are just like, that's what my brain does. Like, what does this sound like to me? Yeah. What, like, I hear a built-in concept and a lyric to just a mumble because it's a feeling. It's like, what does it feel like? Like, if I hear like but a where really, does that come from? That comes from I, just liking music? Yeah. Or is that... Yeah, I, th- I think it just comes from my imagination. Like, that's uh-huh. the one thing that I, I, I really am proud of is my imagination to be able to imagine what it would be. Like, I, I, I hear a song and I just imagine what the lyrics are and that's what I, comes out of my mouth. I'm not thinking of lyrics. I'm not on a rhyme zone, you know? Right. I don't even care if the rhymes are dope. I just care if it feels awesome. Right. You know, it's not even like, oh, did I have the coolest song title? Like, I mean, I've had, like, look at all my songs. I've never, like, like Amar, who's a genius. He, the way Amar Malik writes, so much different than me. We collaborate together, but he has songs like Payphone and Stereo Hearts. Like, I don't have songs with titles like that. Right. Because it's just, that's not the way my conceptual brain works. Right. He's like a genius poet when he writes. I'm like a rapper who who writes pop songs. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I don't, like, I don't think of lyrics the same as everyone else. And, and, and I, and I admire and even sometimes envy some of those songs, you know, and those people come to me and are like, damn, how'd you write that? And I'm like, the conversational part is the thing that's, that's, you know, it's really. I was with an artist who was saying this line needs to sound like it was on a bumper sticker. Because I don't know what it is yet, but it needs to sound like it's on a bumper sticker. Yeah. And and that's when you get that line of you know that sort of payphoneish kind of like that kind of lyric is when you're aiming for something different. But when you write your songs, they tend to be you know songs that I actually can have like I, I feel like you're talking to me. As, yeah. You know. Um, is that something that when you're in with these artists like Adam Levine, are you are you presenting that as like the concept? You're like, yo, it's way cooler to have conversational lyrics because in his past he had had these other kind of songs. Like, 
How do you have that? Do you have that relationship with him? Yeah, I mean, we have a really good relationship. But if you also listen through his catalog, I mean, those guys have been around so long. And the thing about Adam is so great. Like, me being able to write songs, you know, really for him and with him and with his guidance. And, you know, it really comes from conversations that yeah. we have, too. Right. So even if I'm, like, a lot of the songs, I'm, like, finishing to a certain extent, and then he's coming in and adding his thing. It's like the guy's written fucking bigger songs than all of us. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's no, It's not like he's not capable. Right, you know right. what I mean? He's more than capable. He's one of the songwriters I look up to. Sure. You know? I mean, Maroon 5 wasn't like my favorite band. Yeah. You know? I like the shit, you know? Yeah. It was cool. But, you know, you listen to the lyrics and the songs that that guy wrote. Yeah. Out of control, you know? Massive. So a lot of it, it's like I, I really don't feel like I have to sell myself. It's like I, I – thankfully, I did at the beginning. A lot of people were really taken by me. Like my Do you own think manager. You had to? My own manager would hit me up and be like, I don't know how to tell people about you. Like Why? what do I say you do? Like he's said to me – like he said to certain people like, oh, he's an idea guy. So what Benny jokes me about to this day I see Benny. He's like – you're an, You're an idea, idea guy. guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and maybe that's what I am. Where is that confidence from as far as though now? Like, because I, I guess then it was sort of a lack of confidence, but now it feels like. Uh, if there's a room of 10 people and you're like, that's not a hit, we all move on. And if you're like, yeah. that's a hit, we're all like, all right. And we move forward. I mean, where? why do you feel like or how do you feel like a song's a hit. I mean, we finished a song, a couple songs in the last two weeks. Both of them were pretty confident. In, yeah. You know? But it gives me more confidence. And, totally. you know, when you're like, yo, this is really, this is a really good record. And yeah. and I believe that they're really good too. Right. But uh, Because I think my lack of ability for musical detail, musicality, music theory, note, to chord ratio, all these things that musical people think about, I don't think about. So I, it's like, there's this, like, if you can imagine it as like a, a ladder, right? And on the bottom of the ladder, the first, the, the bottom of the ladder is the lyrics, right? I, I'm just, I, I, I'm on it, right? Yeah. And then there's all these steps. And then the top is the finished song. I'm not worried about any of that shit in the middle. Right. So maybe that gives me a little bit of a leg up sometimes yeah, to I'm recognize sure things because I'm not – it's almost like a poison. Like I know people like you, Charlie Puth. Like I can rattle off a bunch of names of just musical people that just have – it's just in them. I, not, I don't have any of that shit. Yeah. You know, and I, and I can't do it without those people. But I can hear something that talks to me yeah. melodically or musically. You know, and I'm not always right either. I, I happen to get right sometimes. You when, know? when were you, when have you been most right? Like, when was there a song where you're like, this is a smash? And it was like, oh yeah, that was a smash. I really feel like I'm like always right. Yeah. With pop music. I mean, but I don't also, I don't listen to every to have been, song. There I'm, has to, no, I'm talking about your, your own. Is I've, there called, a, I've called every one of my songs. Have you ever missed one? No. Fucking crazy. No. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I mean, fortunately, I feel like it's like in the songwriting world, it's hard to explain to people that, you know, if you're getting a song on an album, mm -hmm. it's probably because the eight songs that the artist wrote before, none of them were hits mm -hmm. because they're busy touring. They're doing other things. They're not yeah. really songwriters. Yeah. And then those last three slots are really fought over amongst the community of 
sort of hit writers. Yeah. And if you get a song on an album, you probably have a pretty decent shot that it might be a single. Do you know what I mean? It's it's so hard for it to get to that stage. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is for me is the word hit is so bizarre because, like, we don't know what a hit is. There's not, there's no, like, golden bullet, you know, that just comes out and is guaranteed to be a hit. I always feel like with my own songs, I can tell because all the songs that I thought were going to be hits that, that were hits that I was right about, I felt like that when I left the studio. Yeah. The songs of mine that might have fell short, I felt were great, but I didn't feel the hit feel. Uh-huh. And, you know, not that I'm like fucking Yoda or something, but I, I do believe that you can feel like when you've been in the room when a big hit's been written, you yeah, know you know what incredible. that you know what that day feels like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know you know what that boner is. Right. You no, know? it's for real. If you leave with the half chub, you're gonna half chart. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I guess there have been songs that have made albums where I was like, this song's a hit, and they never went with it as a single. Yeah. And that's those are the ones that break my heart. Yeah, me too. I mean, you know, I sometimes I think that labels and artists and different people make wrong decisions, but that that at that point, that's just an opinion-based thing, and that's just something that I just, it's like a passing thought where I'm yeah. just like, oh, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. But it's not really my place, sure. you know? I mean, even with like, you know, like, if I'm I'm executive producing Maroon 5 right now, which was the most amazing thing. Yeah. You know, and one of the first conversations I had with Jordan, that, who's the manager, Jordan Feldstein, the manager of Maroon 5, and he didn't say this to me. I said this to him. Um, I was like, look, man, I don't, I'm not here to pick or, or to pick singles. I don't want to pick singles. Yeah. You know, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to campaign for singles either. I'm just going to deliver you the very best stuff I can I can deliver. Yeah. Whether it's something that I wrote, whether it's something that came in from an outside, like as an executive producer, you have to be able to take off your hat as a songwriter. Of course, every songwriter wants every one of their songs to come out and go number one, but I'm taking on a different no, responsibility raises, right now. It raises the bar too. I think like when you're, I know what kind of songs you write when I'm not in the room. And I know what kind of songs, you know, I, I understand what songs my my fellow co- writers are writing. Yeah. And that's where it's like, okay, well, I need to write something as good or better than they can in order for me to compete. Totally. You know, and it's, so it's not, you know, way. it's not a matter of, uh, it's what you're saying about it. It's not about telling the person, you know, telling Jordan that yeah. you're going to deliver the hits. Yeah. But if it, you're not the one who's writing it, you're going to have to find one yeah. that where somebody's going to compete at that level. Totally. I mean, look, I you know when I did a song for Flowrider called Once in a Lifetime that I was uh, I, I wish that, that I was sure nothing was going to beat. Yeah. You know, Max worked on it, I mean yeah. Ricardo and Ammo did it, got yeah. Flow on it. Um we just had this whole thing. I think Luke worked on it, you know. Yeah. I, I it just seemed like oh my god, like everyone worked on it and I was just like there's a song to beat and I remember somebody who was like, oh, there's another song that called My House that, mm. you know, called that Ross and and uh, Johan did that they think's pretty good. But, I, you know, I don't totally get the song. And and, <laughs> and I was like, OK, cool. And then I heard My House and I was fucking heated. Be, A, because I didn't write yeah. it because I loved it. And B, because I knew my song was never going to see the light of day because of that song. And I think that that's, that's where perspective comes in. Like, you have to have that perspective. Yeah. You have to be okay with somebody smashing you. Yeah. Because if you're not, then you suck. My, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you 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 have to be, A, your own worst critic. You have to be happy for other people's success. Yeah. You, you can be a mild hater. We all are. No, my, fa- my favorite text you know. you've ever sent me was after Dangerous Women came out, and you're like, I hate you. I love you so much, and I can't stand you. You're the best. Yeah. Was like something like that. But that's like how that. I, I was feel. Like, you know? It's true. Yeah. The envy is real. Yeah. I think the hard part, you know. Yeah. Uh, that, that's another album that I sent in one of my favorite songs that I ever made that I was sure was going to be a single. That's a great single. record. It's a great record, yeah. but when I heard Dangerous Woman, I was like, of course mine's not. You, you just have to be okay with that. And it's and it's even better when it's your friends. Yeah. You know, because you're going to be, you got to be happy for everybody if you want to compete at the highest level. You know, it's like, it's sportsmanship. But that's a, what you and I extent. have started, you know, while we started making music together. Totally. And why we're like signing people and doing our own projects. Yeah. Because... I think we both are like, well, we should probably do some more shit together yeah. if we like each other's yeah. music, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, the fucking guy, Joe London, who's sitting here with headphones on, he yeah. he probably should be in this interview yeah. over me 
is nominated for a Grammy for Country Song of the Year yeah. for Die a Happy Man, yeah. which is another song that I was fucking hearing yeah. when I heard. Yeah. Because I have a song on the Tommy's re- record that he actually pulled me in on that he did that uh, I didn't write the song, but Lunch Money had a verse on yeah. it, and I and I helped like Lunch write the verse, and I was like, you know, and 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 your conf- and your overconfident, overbearing mind of you know complex mind of being a songwriter, you're like, oh, Thomas Rhett's not gonna have another song like this. This is like some funky shit. This is definitely gonna be his single, right? And it'll be the best song. And of course, you know, of course, I just happen to be a part of that. That's yeah. You know, life just throws me lemons, and I make lemonade. And then I heard "Die a Happy Man." I'm like, fuck, man. Yeah. Fuck you and Sean Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> and I love both of these. Yeah, exactly. And I love both these guys yeah. very dearly. No you know? doubt. And I've had a big hit with Sean with Wiggle, yeah, yeah. so it's like it all. Yeah. It's all just like, what the fuck is all this? It's just about making stuff that you you care about, you're passionate about, and sometimes shit is better than others. You know. I mean, one of, one of the things that I really like with you having artists signed to you from Lunch and Christian and whatnot, um, you know, it's like you you have this a chance to kind of give lead the way for them. Like yeah. I think you have a paternal side to you. Yeah, totally. You know, that's that's really kind of fun to watch because I think I, you have so many writers that are now signed to you. No, I wouldn't say so many. No, no, no. You, oh, sorry, you have your the percentage of writers that are signed to you that are successful. Yeah, 100%, is like one hundred percent. Yeah, but it's, it's that's a, that's what it is. It's not yeah. that it's not like a quantity thing. It's totally. the fact that they they each have had a uh, a level of success that shows that you haven't been. Um, a passive participant in them. Totally. You know? I mean, that's why I never want to sign a lot of people ever. Right. If I get to the point where I'm signing more people than I can handle directly, then I'm gonna have to have a partner who is who is a badass yeah. who can who can make up for some of that, and that we can interface. I never want to leave anybody hanging. Where does your business mind come from? Probably my father. Was he always like? He was always sort of. Running a show, I guess when you're doing the radio, yeah, you, I mean, you, have you to know, have, like, my dad's just really smart, people. and he, uh, you know, he's he's always been. I mean, I even can remember as back as far as like negotiating grass cutting money from my dad, and it just wasn't easy. What? Why? And what maybe that's because he's Jewish. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I he just always instilled in me. No, tell me that. Like, I mean, well, how, be, does that, how does like, that? How Like it work? was literally like, conversations about like, hey, can I get twenty bucks to cut the grass? It's like, well, you can have 10 bucks to cut the grass. Well, why can't I have 20 bucks? Because the only time you ask to cut the grass is when you need money. If you cut the grass every week, then it could be 20 bucks. And I'm like, what? I don't get it, you know? And then it would come to like, well, I need to go somewhere tonight. Can I get the 10 bucks and I'll cut the grass in the morning? Well, no, you didn't cut the fucking grass, so I'm not giving you the money. Right. You know, and it's just like, I I don't even know what that means. All it means is like, you know... uh, Good for him. You know, he just kind of taught me to just, you know, basically just earn what you want. Do they understand Don't. what's going on with you? Yeah. Like, yeah, they do. I'm, I'm really close with my parents, and my, my both my parents are really smart. My mom has a doctorate in education, and my dad's been in the radio business, so he knows some facet of the entertainment world. I mean, my dad strokes checks every month to all the you know, to pay out for yeah. all the people that are getting songs played on his station, like any any station does. Sure. So he gets it. I mean, it's just such a crazy thing to be. Uh, three year, three and a half years ago, to not be sober, to then you know executive producing. Where I'm pretty sure if I look on uh radio chart right now, you have to have at least. I know you have the BB song, which is most added, yeah. one of them, and then you have the Maroon Five song, yeah. and hey I know on the hey, yeah, Hey Violet, you've got on the Hot AC and the AC charts like well no hey Violet's 20 pop. of them because you've got no i know but i'm saying the oh. other charts you oh, have yeah, yeah. don't want to know is number one today on hot i see yeah did you know and, that and, and hopefully it goes number one on pop pretty soon yeah yeah, yeah. I, i'm sure it will um it's pretty impressive man so if you were to give uh if you were to give advice to a struggling writer what would you say a struggling songwriter yeah don't i mean that's a really <laughs> that's a really hard question because i would have to i would have to no, I would have to have heard songs from that writer. You know, I would but have to know it would be more about the actual song and not like, uh, like, you know, there's that famous thing about advice you'd give a, a, an actor in L.A. you tell him to take fountain. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> it's like like yeah. something usable like that. Yeah. My favorite thing is uh, one of my friends always says when somebody says they're an actor, they say, oh, what restaurant? 
<laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I I would, you know, you know, I like I like sharing and reciprocating advice that's been given to me. Yeah. You know, I don't like to be greedy with it. Um so for struggling songwriters, I would say you know, th- just think about think about two things. Think about the music that you like and think about is does, is your music as good as that? Now, right. I like Stevie Wonder. I don't my songs aren't as good as Stevie Wonder songs. But maybe they kind of like no, compositionally. Maybe I think you composi- could argue maybe that maybe they are. well maybe just compositionally they work like the sure. verse into the chorus and it all feels good. Right. Like if it, it it it's glued together as well right. as any other song in history has been glued together. Like, uh, is your song glued together? Right. Yeah, yeah. Can you remember your own song? Do your friends like it, or are they just gassing you up? You know, like think about like be be a critic of yourself. Think about is your songs really good? Like you should be able to put a song that you made in a playlist of all your favorite songs from big artists and it should sound natural yeah. if you're playing it at a party. Yeah. Like maybe it's a song no one's heard before, but someone's like, what the fuck? Is somebody playing their fucking music, you know, their yeah. own shit, you know? Um, and the other thing too that I would say um, is think about if you really want to make music for a living or not. Yeah, you know, because if you do, you have to it, well, structure it. Well, because if you do it, 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 then then work comes into it. You know, I'm all for like hippies playing drum circles on the beach and like people that just want to jam just for the fucking sake of jamming and work a day job. But like, you know, if you want to like live, if you want to like live your life uh, and get paid for making music and be part of the music business, unfortunately, the word business is part of that sure. thing. Then you have to think about what avenues there are to get paid and where you excel. And then you should insert yourself into the avenue where you excel and work hard towards using it to generate money. Sure. But I'm a firm believer in like, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, sell out shit, that's this and that's that. Well, it's like I like to, I love music and I I love money, you know? But not <laughs> yeah. like not like I love money like Scrooge McDuck. Like I love being able to like Make a living. Like the gift, being rich to me is it like if you have, I was rich ever since I made the first dollar off music. And that's because I could go buy myself a sandwich for something that came out of my brain. Yeah. That's what, that's the dream. No doubt. It's not, it's, it's all relative. Whether you have a hundred million dollars or whether you can afford an $1,100 a month apartment and a Prius for the rest of your life and do whatever the fuck you want to do every day. Yeah. If you get to do it making music, you're a fucking filthy rich. How often do you remind yourself of that? Every single day. Yeah. Yeah. Would you give that same advice to a successful writer? Well, yeah. Like, is that, I, I, like I, I, I always wonder what I, you know. I mean, a lot. I mean, some successful writers, I'd be like, "Yo, you should just chill." Yeah. If you're not like, don't beat yourself up. No, we know some that 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 totally. it's, it's hard. It's hard to watch because their their focus is isn't in the the art of it or like that. They're not really into the game of it. Yeah. They're missing the point. Yeah, I mean, I would just say don't beat yourself up. I mean, if you're successful at anything, you have a you you have a right to take a break. You know, it doesn't discredit you at all in my book. I mean, look at like Pharrell. He like owned the radio for so long. You know, disappeared. He's popping up fashion things, a couple songs here. I mean, maybe not as as hot as he once was. And then a few years later, he comes back with Happy and Get Lucky. And yeah, it's he's crazy. like, and now all of a sudden he's Pharrell 2.0. Yeah, the bigger Pharrell than he's ever fucking been. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I'm going to give you a list of people, and you can just tell me what you think. Cool. Charlie Puth. Incredible. One of my best friends. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about his process. Man, he's like, I don't know. It's so shocking when you're around him because <laughs> I mean, he first... he'll hear your song and he'll be like, yo, uh, this shouldn't be an F sharp, and that chord right there. And he's not anywhere near a piano, I and mean, he's got perfect pitch, and yet he still has like the ability to sound not like he's in school. Yeah, I mean Charlie just has he has everything. He has flavor. He's a great singer. He has he's classical. He's just he can just kind of do it all. He's one of my favorites. Adam Levine. Uh, Adam Levine, big bro. Uh, he's given me incredible opportunities. Just a pro. Um, really cool dude too. Yeah. Consider him a friend. You know. Um, and he's like, he's like one of the guys that like doesn't seem to be affected by 
the amount of tremendous success he's had. He's still it super cool. It is really cool. strange. Like, like, I kick it at his house and yeah. we play basketball and, like, chill. And, like, he's we talk about bullshit. It's you like, forget that he's um, that big. Totally. Because you know, he's still sort of – because he always came in, the, he was a, came in as, like, a, a real – you know, he wasn't a singer-songwriter because the band was there. But he was always part of the writing community, at least ever since Moves Like Jagger – like he really has immersed himself. It's part of the reason why they're so successful over a lot of other bands is that they're they've embraced the songwriting community. Yeah, and you know when you have someone like that who three albums later is still part of the songwriting community, it's kind of hard to for it's hard to remember that he's really well. I guess you can, it's easy to remember he's famous, but he's really really famous now. Yeah, because we, <laughs> we live in L.A. Like the voice, like that reaches a whole audience that yeah. we kind of forget even exists. No doubt. You know. Selena Gomez, um, like little sister, like, yeah, it's our day, family. Day one come up, she, I love her to death. Yeah. She, she's very deep, yeah, and very cool, and like, you know, um, has one of the best tones of anyone. Works hard. She, like, I can't, I don't have, I couldn't say anything bad about Selena if I really, really thought really hard about one thing. Yeah, she's just like, she's the best. DJ Paul, the rapper or my dog? Your dog. That's my dog. Dude, Named after DJ Paul from Three Six Mafia. I used to have Juicy J too, but my ex girlfriend has him. And, oh no know. way! Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. then you worked with Juicy J, right? And DJ Paul. Those are my homies. I, I told them both that I named my dogs after them, and I don't think they thought it was funny. Well, especially because if you see DJ Paul, you're like, it's not the most menacing dog you've ever seen. Nah, he's a little Pomeranian. They both are, but yeah. yeah. So what's next for you? Um, vacation. Like, I'm going to go see my family. I know that's not really the question. No, but dude, look, man, I haven't heard you say that you're, nobody takes less time off than you. Yeah. I mean, I you have you have an incredible yeah. work ethic, and I usually, I don't work at night, and I don't work weekends if I can't, because I worry I'll burn out. Yeah. And I watch you in three and a half years into your sobriety, you're working more efficiently. Yeah. Even if you're working a lot, you're very efficient with it, which means that you're that prolific. Yeah. Which is fucking shocking. Well, I mean, you know, I don't write a it's song. Very every- diff- it's very difficult to keep up with you, by the way. Well, thanks. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, you know, I don't write a song every day. I just involve yeah. myself in the process every day, and I look for inspiration and gems. Yeah. And I think that's the gift that we have as songwriters. Sure. And, and it's it's why we're lucky, because yeah. we, we, we search for those things, and sometimes they come. And then the skill set is is packaging it into a song you know you can't so i just like if i'll i'll go through 10 ideas with writers that i really want to work with or what whoever it is it's just i and if like if it doesn't feel awesome i'm just like fuck this i'm not going to sit here and just write it for no fucking reason it's just and some people get a little aggro about that it's just not no it took it it takes a minute because if you're like this isn't you know let's move on yeah there are times like i kind of think this song's good and when i look back i'm like i don't know if that song was a hit even if it was a good song, like, and, yeah. and that's the thing, like, yeah, aiming for an album track is, or a fan favorite or whatever, however you want to call it, yeah, it, it's psychologically, it's not even necessarily always rewarding because you really end up being like, this still should have been the single. Yeah, <laughs> I know? mean, you know, look, I, I, I've had songs on plenty of albums that weren't the single, and when I heard the singles, I was okay with it yeah so they just had the better songs or the right songs for the right time and do you have the right reasons do you have um do you write at all thinking of charts and and how spotify works versus labels or like do you even think about any of that or is that too much to add in it's too much to add in i mean you know what it is i only work at this point that what i'll say i'm spoiled about is i think that i've learned enough to know who i'm going to collaborate really great with and I look for people who excel in areas that I, I'm weak in. And um, I, I've built enough bridges with those people that they trust me and respect my vision, my opinion, my perspective, which I always say the word perspective because I think that's why it's yeah. the most important thing. Um, uh, I think they appreciate that about me and I appreciate theirs as well and their musicality and their ability to sing a demo and write melodies and create a musical composition that I can insert. You know. Yeah. The, stupid shit I do into it and we can all challenge each other like I love a challenge you know like I want somebody to be like dude those lyrics fucking suck write them again yeah I'd rather you just say that flat out to me like and, and most of the time to be real like I know when something I write is not great 
But yeah. I also don't write lyrics for the sake of like I don't like I'm not trying to be Chris Martin from Coldplay. Man, I just want to sound cool. You know, right. I just want it to sound like some shit you would say to somebody. Right. That's what that's what gets me going. You right. know. And if there's a metaphor or a flip on a concept or a lyric that just falls into place, brilliant. Yeah. That happens sometimes sick. If not, fuck it. Yeah. You know, to close a I know how much we're working together and how we're starting companies yeah. together and totally. we're signing people together and we're doing the whole thing. And it's like yeah. uh the more the more I hear your thoughts on the planet and the positivity you're putting out there and whatnot, and I know how you're starting to get involved in everything from the songwriting community to having, like, you know, you're going to be a dad yeah. and all that stuff. Like, this is... Um, I couldn't I couldn't have a, a better business partner to go into some of these things with. So I'm, oh, thank I'm you, man. stoked, man. I, I feel th- the same about you, though, it, you know? It's, it's one of those things of, like, you know in the most positive way if you can't beat them join them and it's like it's nice where it's nice when you're like okay so we do different things but i love how you approach these things and how we approach the the music industry like there's this is a big place yeah it's tiny in numbers but there are a lot of ways to be creative and and you know developing artists developing songs developing you know all the different entities so it's like, it's fun because I, I think you do it really well and it's it's fun to watch. Thank you, man. I appreciate so, it. Yeah, I, dude. I appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to me ramble about shit. I hope it uh, comes across as meaningful to someone out there. Me too. Thanks for listening to this episode of And The Writer Is. If you want to hear music from this songwriter I just interviewed, be sure to check out our Spotify playlist or visit our website at andthewriteris.com. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to us on iTunes. You can also like us on Facebook and Twitter. And The Writer Is is produced by Joe London, edited by Miles Bergsma, and published by Big Deal Music. A special thanks to Jeff Sparger, David Silverstein from Mega House Music, and Michael White. Until next time, this is Ross Golan. 